Amen. So we are going to continue our sermon series on spiritual warfare. Uh, this is part three of that ongoing series. You can go back and check the website for those sermons that you've missed. But uh, I think God is speaking to us. And today, what we're going to learn is that God doesn't want us to remain static in warfare. Uh, he expects us to move forward, to move forward. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, and so now, Paul is going to begin to talk about our feet shod with the gospel of peace. Your feet shod with the gospel of peace. Now, a Roman soldier knew how to be effective in battle. He knew that he had to protect his feet. Uh, there were mountains to climb, obstacles to overcome, uh, territory to take from the enemy. And so it was critical that his feet were protected. Plus, it was not uncommon for opposing armies during Roman times to put spears up in the ground so that if your feet weren't protected, your feet would be pierced and you would die from these wounds. Bare feet would not do. And so they needed cleated sandals or hobnail boots or some other strong, sturdy footwear in order to stay mobile day by day. And Paul is going to speak to us about that. And so we need spiritual footwear that stabilizes us, mobilizes us, and keeps us strong uh, as we take back ground from the enemy. Uh, according to Paul, these, these uh, issues, these goals are accomplished by shotting our feet in the gospel of, feet, of peace. Your feet are shod in the gospel of peace. It is the very gospel of of Jesus Christ surrounding your feet that as you move forward into the world you are carrying. It is that gospel that by grace alone tells us that we can be saved, that the world needs to hear the consequences of sin. It stabilizes us, you see, by assuring us that when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, our future is secure. And that's what you need as you are engaged in spiritual warfare. Now, we live in peace with God, uh, both now and through eternity, because we've accepted Christ Jesus. We are now attached to the body of Christ, but we are not exempt from challenging circumstances. You will still face obstacles in your life, but we know, you see, God's presence and power is with us as we walk with him. Uh, we are not necessarily strong all the time, but as we walk, he lifts us up. He affirms us. He protects us, and we are able to stand firm in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, addition, in addition to being stabilized by the gospel of peace, we are also mobilized to share the gospel with others. And I think it's so appropriate that you saw the video right before the sermon talking about our need to share the gospel. That's what this sermon is about, recognizing that you cannot engage in successful spiritual warfare unless you are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to move out against the enemy, against the demon forces. You need to move out in a dark world and spread the gospel. Look at Romans 10, verse 15. How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that's you. 
as you bring the good news of Jesus Christ. How beautiful are your feet. How welcoming that is to a lost world. And so God's hope for a lost world is that every believer would have such beautiful feet with a living, personal testimony, a powerful witness to a lost world full of goodness and grace and hope. God wants you, you see. Uh, He wants you and me to mobilize our feet each day to carry hope. Each day that you go out into a lost world to carry that hope. To those who are hopeless, those who are ostracized, uh, those who are healing and struggling with disease, uh, to, to bring hope and affirmation to some people who have long ago given up. And that's why God has called you to bring that very essence of hope. Now, the essence here and the emphasis here falls upon the readiness to make the gospel known. Uh, And as any Christian already knows the heart of the gospel, he would not be a Christian if he did not know the heart of the gospel. So this must go beyond mere knowledge and head knowledge. It must involve a readiness, uh, a readiness to spread the word. Are you ready to spread the word? Are you ready to spread the good news that though, to those that need it? Uh, moreover, as Paul links the gospel to the soldiers' boots or sandals, the shoes carry us from place to place. And as we go from place to place, are you prepared to speak about Jesus? And the question for you today is this. Here's the question. Are you equipped to do that? Do you know how to speak to others about the Savior? Do you know how to speak about Jesus Christ? Are you prepared to speak about Jesus Christ? Have you thought about it? Uh, It does not take vast numbers of people to do God's word. It just means that we need a committed group of people to advance his word. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know, there's some new people here today. When I asked them how they happened to find our church, they said that they, they spoke to somebody at dinner who sat next to me on a plane uh, and that I had spoken about Jesus Christ on a plane. And that's a prayer that I have every time I get on a plane. Not only that it will land safely, but that God will put someone next to me who needs to hear the gospel. That's a prayer that you should make. Lord, put someone next to me who for the next two hours needs to hear about you. Uh, and I would say you see this in, this verse, in these verses in Peter. Always be prepared. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Or if somebody says to you, why are you a Christian? And you go, I, my parents were Christians. Well, that's a lousy answer. All right? Don't tell me you're a Christian because your parents were Christians. What about you? Whose passport are you carrying? All right? Who, what about you? The question is, what did Jesus do for you? Why are you committed as a Christian? And that's the answer there. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope. I used to teach my, my lawyers that when they went to court 
or if they were ever interviewed by newspaper reporters about a case, they should always have a sound bite. A sound bite. Something in 15 or 20 seconds that could summarize where they were, what our case was about, where we were going, because that's all you have sometimes to reach the world. 15 or 20 seconds. You should prepare yourself. You should have God to give you wisdom on that and do that. Uh, and so God's uh, hope is that every believer can do this, that our feet are prepared. He wants you and me to mobilize our feet every day. There's no day offs. If a guy comes to your house to do some work, why not tell him about Jesus? I do it all the time. Uh, if you go to a restaurant, why not speak to the waitress? Why not ask, is there something I can pray for you about? Why not do that? Wherever you go, always be prepared to advance the work of God. Because here's the thing, Satan will do his best to take you out of the game. He'd like nothing better than you sit there like a mummy and say nothing until someday you're at work and somebody finds out at the water cooler, you're a Christian, and he goes, you're a Christian? Whoa, I had no idea. I've only known you for 20 years. And you're a Christian. What a sad commentary. Isn't that really a sad commentary on where so many of us are in our lives? Uh, and so let's be careful. Let's advance the work of God. This is how we are engaged in spiritual warfare. And so think about it. As we fasten on the belt of truth, uh, which is our purity, we put on the breastplate of righteousness, uh, which is our integrity. Uh, we outfit our feet with the gospel of peace, uh, and then uh, that affects our stability as well. And next, we hold up the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Ephesians 6, 16 says as follows. In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. All right, so you're moving forward. You, you, you're moving forward against the forces of evil. And now you're spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. But now you have the shield of faith. It is the faith that you have in God alone that will protect you against the fiery darts. He's going on the assault. He's going to attack you. And let me assure you this, that you have a target on your back. All right? You see, it's not the poor people out on the curb or in prison or the robbers uh, who have a target. He's got them. But you, you see, you're a problem. You're a problem because you're going against the demon forces. And so he wants to take you out of the game. And so he will advance with fiery darts. <clears throat> and so let's understand why Paul spoke about the shield. Now, the typical Roman shield uh, was rather large. It was two feet by four feet, and it was curved on both sides. Uh, and it was typically uh, made of a, a strong material, either metal or wood or leather. Uh, and it would curve towards you, and it would pro provide protection, you see, for about 75% of your body. And so as you move forward against the enemy with the faith, with this shield in front of you, your, the, your vital parts of your body would be protected as you were taking territory for God. Now, we need coverage, you see, not for our back. We need coverage for our front because we're moving because we're advancing. Uh, and this is why you need strong 
unyielding faith. Uh, now, we need to be mindful of supporting Scripture on this. Uh, and in Psalm 5, verse 12, it says, God will bless the righteous. Uh, Psalm 9, verse 9 says, he will be a refuge for the oppressed. And then Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, those who wait upon God will run and not be weary. Run forward, not backward, forward to advance the kingdom of God. Uh, you see this utter reliance upon faith. We are saved by faith alone. The utter reliance on God's word as truth is how we protect ourselves in battle. This is how you fight every day. Your faith sustains you. Your faith protects you. This is how we fight off Satan's fiery darts. Now, Roman soldiers quickly learned how to defend themselves as they traversed enemy territory. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen movies where you see these battles taking place. I recently saw one that was called the 300, which was the attack of the Persians against the Greeks. And you saw the Spartans defended themselves. Uh, and so what you saw there is that as thousands of, ar of arrows were launched against these 300 Spartans, they banded together uh, and they put their, sh their shields together. Each shield could be linked to the next, linked. And all of a sudden, it was as if a wall protected these men. These arrows came down and not one of them was injured. Uh, and so this is an important spiritual concept for you as well, meaning this. Sometimes you need to put your shield with another Christian. Sometimes you need to link up because you can't always just walk alone. God wants you to be protected, and sometimes this protection means that you have to hook up with another uh, Christian. This is important, uh, and so we need to be aware of this. God doesn't want you to be a lone ranger. Yes, you have the shield of faith, but sometimes that shield needs to be linked to others. That's why you come to church. You understand? That's the reason you come to church. Because when you come to this church, not only are you being fed by the word of God, but you're being affirmed by multiple ministries. You're being affirmed by Christians who love you. You come in the door and within three seconds, somebody is hugging you and loving you and affirming you. All of this is designed to strengthen that shield of faith, to let you know that there's a place that you can go and be protected, a place where God wants you to come. Uh, this is what you need to fight up against the wiles of Satan. Now, the fifth piece of armor is described as a helmet of salvation. A helmet of salvation. This is an all-important piece of armor as we protect our minds. This is a critical thing that you need to understand. Satan will really attack you in your mind. It's your mind, it's your thoughts, it's your lusts, it's your temptations that all start between your ears, and you need to be aware of it. Uh, what we think ultimately will become what we do. So if you start to think about something, don't be surprised within a relatively short period of time, you're moving forward in that same vein. The attitudes that we hold. Uh, they become the very patterns of our lives, the vices that we reflect on. After all, after a while, we indulge in these vices. All of these things and more result with how we think. 
and God knows that, which is why the helmet of salvation has to protect your mind. You have to be fully protected in your thought process. And so one of the areas where Satan attacks unsuspecting believers is on the heels of spiritual victory. And I don't know about you, but I believe the most uh, critical point in my life is when I'm full of success, right? You've had great success. Things are going good in your life. Everything's going good. And what are you doing? You're just giving me a high five. Am I right? Just give me a high five. Look at me. Look at how good I am. These things are great. Everything's coming together. You understand? Instead, when, you're, when you've had defeat, when you're, when you're in defeat, where are you? Your head's down. Lord, help me. I don't understand. I don't understand why this is happening to me. And Satan knows that, which is why in your spiritual victory, Satan is right there. Oh, John, you're smart. You're good. Oh, you're righteous. Uh, just put your name in place of John's because you understand this is how he does it. Uh, and so after the high comes the low, uh, and we unwittingly slip out of God's protection. We don't think about it. After all, it's not God that gave me this victory. It's me, right? It's me. And so God is warning you. This is why you need to have your head covered. This is why we need to be concerned when followers of Christ start pulling away from meeting regularly in church. This is why you go to church. Where else are you going to get somebody who's going to talk to you like this, inspired by the word of God? Because otherwise you stay at home and you got some victories, things are good, your family's good, your relationships are good, your stock, stock portfolio is good, and oh, yes. I'm so filled. You know what? I need a vacation. I need to get away. There's no reason why I shouldn't take a couple of months off. I deserve it. I deserve it. You understand? And Satan puts these ideas in your head. Yeah, don't waste your time. They're a bunch of losers. They're not like you. All right? And all of a sudden, step by step, drip by drip, you're walking away from God. And you understand it starts with failing to meet in the church. That's what it's about failing to meet in the church. This is a bad habit that starts innocently. Uh, and there's another issue that we face as believers, and I will call it physical and emotional exhaustion. And Satan loves it. He loves it. He waits for you to be emotionally exhausted. You understand. You may have some depression issues. Uh, you may be down. And he waits for you to exist that. Or you may be physically exhausted. You need to rest. You've been doing so many things, running around here and there, and you're physically exhausted. And what does he see? He sees the emotional and physical exhaustion, and he attacks. He attacks. Uh, and when he attacks like that, you are subject to those praise. And you need to be aware about it. Uh, and so what do you need to do? You need to ask God to protect you. You put the helmet of salvation on. You need to surround yourself by believing Christians who can pray for you. And so you really need to do this. You need to have your courage mustered by the faith of others. That's why you link up your shields and you have the helmet of salvation, knowing that at every point your thinking is protected by the gospel of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for you. He saved you. Your name was written in, your, in his hand. 
Don't forget that. And we're going to honor him today in that, in that sense. But you need to understand the very essence of the helmet of salvation. <clears throat> the primary objective of Satan is to plant a single idea in your mind. You cannot trust God. There it is. That's what he did at the Garden of Eden. You cannot trust God. And that's what he does. He waits for you to be weak. He waits for you to be exhausted. And all of a sudden, that thought percolates in your mindset. Uh, and his empty accusation comes directly from the depths of hell. Uh, God won't provide for you. You're going to be old. You'll be out on a curb. You're going to be homeless. All these ridiculous thoughts come into your mind. You understand? He knows where you are. He knows your weakness. He knows your depression. And he moves in. Ask God to strengthen you. Put on that helmet of salvation. This is how Satan wages war against us. This is it. It's not that complicated. This is what he does. He loves to break into your thoughts. And I submit that some of you right now, right now, are not truly concentrating on what I'm saying. Because that's what Satan would like. Oh, yeah. Let me get them while they're in church. Oh, where are we going for lunch today? What am I ordering for lunch? Who should I, or, who should I ask to? You know, these are all good thoughts, but now focus on his word. You understand? This is exactly how he likes to get into your mindset. Uh, he loves to break into your thought process. He introduces doubt, uh, and doubt leads to fear, and fear leads to confusion, and confusion ultimately leads to pain. There it is. That's his game plan. This is how he lives. This is how he conducts his life. He causes you to question the myriad things, even in church, as he seeks to undermine your faith. He is a terrorist in every aspect of the words he uses and he occupies uh, in this world, uh, seeking to oppress us and occupy us. He specializes in, in advancing distorted thinking. Distorted thinking. And that thinking can even be engaged right here in church. All of a sudden, you find yourself becoming a professional critic. Am I right? Uh, the pastor was a little long today. Uh, he went down a couple of rabbit holes. Uh, the music was a little loud. I wish they could play a little quiet. All right, all of a sudden, you know, I don't care for the treats in the kitchen. You understand how all of a sudden you've become a professional critic? Instead of saying, thank you, Jesus, for this church. Thank you, God, for the people in leadership that you've given us. Amen, Lord. Thank you, Father. In every way, thank you, God, for what you've given me. Because without this, Lord, I'd be lost. And you understand this. Uh, and so God wants you to do this. This is how God wants you to live. Put on that helmet of salvation. That's how that helmet works. Now, the applause of God for a race well done, isn't, what, isn't that really what you yearn to hear? Don't you want to hear when you get to the other side, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear, well done. I don't want to hear him say, well, you know, 
You did pretty well. It's too bad you were so critical. You're saved. You're saved. And I have some rewards for you, but they're not as good as they could have been. And we'll get into that in another sermon. But you understand, this is how Satan acts with Christians. He knows you're going to be saved. He knows you're going with God, but let me take him out of his game. I don't want him doing ministry. I don't want him speaking to other people about Jesus. I want him to be locked down like a mummy, just focusing on his own life. Uh, and so you understand this. And so as we pursue proper thinking in our lives day by day, our eyes need to be on the ultimate reward. As Paul said it so aptly, our hope is in Christ alone. Period. End of sentence. This is the thought that keeps our lives and minds pure. When we put on this helmet of salvation every single day, we are essentially strapping hope to our heads. When our minds and outlook are focused on Jesus and him alone, uh, we are protected against despair, depression, discouragement, and exhaustion, and we inevitably come to life to serve him in a greater way. Salvation, you see, reminds us that even the most unfortunate circumstances that we may face in life cannot change the fact that we are eternally secure with Jesus Christ. You are secure eternally. You are going to heaven. Will you have some down days? Yes, but you're going to heaven. In this regard, we need to carefully consider the words of Philippians 4, verse 8. And this is how your thinking ought to be. This is how you should think. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this is how you take your thoughts and make them captive. All right? You make them captive because you focus instead on the beautiful, on the pure, on the glorious, on the righteous. We have to train our minds uh, to think pure thoughts. Think pure thoughts. Certainly we understand this is not a simple task when you live in an evil world, but this is how you need to begin. Surrender your next thought to the very lordship of Jesus Christ, asking him to purify it. Uh, and to make it holy, to align it with the way that he thinks. That's what you need to do. If you do this a few times in a row, you will find that you will have a whole string of helpful and affirming thoughts rushing your way through your brain. That's how you've been designed. And so every sin can be traced back to one errant thought. But equally true is the fact that every victory over temptation can also be traced back to one righteous thought. And so how do we retrain our brains to think like this? This is what salvation is all about, becoming a new man or woman, restoring us in mind, body, and spirit to the original intent that God had designed us for. It is all about reconstructing the way that we think. The Bible uses terms such as taking every thought captive and the renewing of your mind. Let's simplify that. 
Focus on uplifting righteous things. Focus on purity. Focus on integrity. Focus on Jesus Christ. And so, you see, after surrendering our lives to Christ in salvation, we next sanctify our lives day by day. It is only by re daily repentance and fellowship with Christ uh, that we have this relationship with God maintained. This is the nature of sanctification. And sanctification is an important part of understanding spiritual warfare. Even as you put on the armor, all these aspects we've talked about, you still need to be sanctified. Asking God, wash me, protect me, be with me, Lord, affirm me, take these thoughts away from me, lifting me up. It basically means becoming more Christ-like. That's what this is a part. And certainly, you see, when we sin against God, when we walk in an evil world, the dirt will come up on us. But it does not stop us from being the children of God. Let's understand that. It does not put our eternal future in jeopardy. It does not cause us to lose our salvation. But it causes us to lose our fellowship with God and with Christ. We need to develop a continuing relationship with God to confess our ongoing sin, even as we're involved in this warfare. Sanctification is critical, uh, and so we need to understand it. Look at Thessalonians 5, verse 23. We learn that it's actually God who does the sanctifying in our lives. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's the thing. When you arrived on the planet Earth, you arrived enslaved to sin. That's the nature of original sin. Before you were born, your minds were predisposed to selfish, errant thoughts uh, in every way. You were running along dead-end paths. You were effectively dead men and women walking. Uh, and you can readily see this even if you look at young children playing. You see the nature of selfish activity in their lives. That's the nature of humanity. All right, before salvation came, uh, every dream, reason, and act that we had was flawed. It was all about me, me, I, I, as we fell to the ways of the world. It was for that reason that Jesus, you see, clothed himself in human flesh so that he could go to the cross and show us this is what we need. This is how we needed to be separated from our flesh. Uh, and so he paid a ransom that could never, ever be paid back. And we will celebrate that at the end of this service. And so when we surrender our lives to his leadership, effectively assenting to the idea that he alone atones for us, we essentially get a brain transplant. You understand? You have a brain transplant. Your old brain has been taken out, and God has given you a new brain. Now use it, okay? Use it. This is what salvation is all about, restoring us mind, body, soul, and spirit to the original intent that God had in mind for us. The Bible has that terminology saying taking every thought captive uh, and committing daily to the renewing of your mind through the power of God's word. And this is another step for you to understand this. God doesn't stop having a relationship with you as his children, but he wants to restore the original fellowship uh, in, in intimacy. This type of repentance 
Sanctification is not repentance leading to salvation, but rather repentance leading to fellowship. You understand that? That's what this is about, leading you to fellowship. We learn that it's actually God doing the sanctifying in our lives. And so you need to say to God multiple times to, during the day, Lord, take these thoughts away from me. Put your thoughts in my mind. Let my thoughts be praiseworthy, positive, and productive. This needs to be your constant prayer. And now as I bring this sermon to a close, I want to focus on another issue, and that is strongholds. Because you're involved in spiritual warfare. But here's the deal. Some of us are sold out to mental strongholds. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive uh, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. These weapons of warfare we are discussing, especially the helmet of salvation, which is our helmet of hope, are more than sufficient to tear down the strongholds in our life. A stronghold is a mental fortress, something that gets stuck in our head. It can be an unhealthy fixation, an anxiety that shows up every day. It can be a root of bitterness that you have not taken out of your life. Uh, it can be an uncontrollable issue in your life for anger, for greed, for pride, or lust. We're not talking here about passing temptation, but about captivating ideas that seem to have taken control in your life, in which you stand up and are in opposition to God. So many people fall into this category. They are stuck in a stronghold, uh, and they are swept up in devastating habits, using drugs, or abusing alcohol, or visiting porn sites, or getting involved in gambling away their paychecks. The Apostle Paul warned against this very type of thing when he wrote in Romans 6, verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your bo mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't let sin reign in your body. Don't let it continue to dwell and metastasize. You understand? You want to be successful in spiritual warfare. He's outfitted you. He's sanctifying you. He's protecting you. Now don't sit there and dwell in these strongholds that really do nothing but drag you down. Egotism and arrogance, violence and contentiousness, stubbornness and faithlessness, addictions, compulsion and doubt can all be defeated. We can be set free. Our thoughts lead to our action. That's what you have to understand. Your thoughts, your very thoughts will lead to your action. It is by yielding to the weapons of warfare that we fight the beginnings of this battle and win. And so we invite God to change our thinking, to change our thinking, to pull down these strongholds, to sanctify us, to help us to walk with him as we turn to Jesus. We understand that Jesus is there to protect you and walk with you every day of your life. He's there so that you can succeed in warfare. He will be with you. He will affirm you as you attach yourself to the body of Christ. Never forget you are saved and saved forever. And God will be with you and never leave you. Amen, church?
And let's close in prayer before we begin the, the communion part of our service. Lord, Lord, I thank you so much for the words that you've given us. Lord, let us reflect again on what it means to be involved in spiritual warfare and how you've protected us and walked with us and outfitted us, Lord, so that we can walk successfully. Help us to pull down these strongholds. Help us to put on these various aspects of faith that will protect us in every way and help us to speak about you. Let our people be energized today that when they leave here, they will look for an opportunity to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And now we are going to do communion, which is really one of the most sacred experiences in the Christian faith. Uh, it's where we merge our hearts and mind in devotion to Jesus Christ. Uh, and it becomes a critical part of our Christian experience. If you are a Christian, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to be a part of our communion service. Uh, and so this ordinance is for believers, you see. This is for believers. And when we do this, we reflect on what Jesus has done for us. Uh, look at Corinthians 11, verse 28 there, where Paul said, Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of the, of the cup. Examining. This is a time of self-examination. This is where you bow before God, and you ask God to open your heart and let him reveal to you what your life is like as you bind yourself to him. Let's just pray. Lord, I thank you for this service. I thank you for our church. But now, Lord, I ask you that you touch our people, that you give us insight as we are about to take communion as to what you want us to change. How do we change, Lord? How do we get closer to you? What do we need to tear down in our lives as we commit ourselves to serving you in every way as we put this in Jesus Christ? Amen. And so when we take communion, the best examination, I believe, uh, of what communion is about is given to us by Paul, not surprisingly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where he says in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Now, I want you to focus on what it means to examining yourself. What it means to examine yourself is you look inward and you say, Father, there's things in my life I don't like. I don't want to act this way. I ask you, Lord, to pull down these strongholds, to give me faith, to change the way I speak, to make me more loving, to make me more affirming. That's what Jesus wants you to do. When you examine yourself and you say, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. That's a problem, you see. That's a problem. Because there's something wrong with every one of us. Because we walk in an evil world. Make no mistake about it. And so Jesus was able to say those very words because he was going to go to the cross as the perfect sacrifice once 
and for all. He would be the very Passover lamb that the Jews had celebrated for 2,000 years. But now it would be God himself nailed to a cross. And so thereafter, God declared that from that time forward, the Passover would not effectively be a sacrifice that he would recognize. In fact, it would be replaced by communion. That is the new covenant. The new covenant comes in in the blood of Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about it. And so we have to understand this is what Jesus did for you and me on the cross. He died on the cross. And so in this service, in this communion, we celebrate that and we pray on that. Let's pray a prayer of thanksgiving for what we are about to do. Lord, I ask you that you anoint our minds and our hearts as we are about to partake in your body for the great sacrifice that you gave us. We put this in Jesus' name. And so let us all take the elements together, all right? <clears throat> First, what I would like you to do is to take the wafer <clears throat> as the body of Christ. Hold it up as we will all take it and eat it at the same time. And here Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. In the same manner, take the cup of juice which represents his blood. And Christ said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Take and drink. And so, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. And that's what this is about. Joining and attaching yourself to the body of Christ. Making this affirmation to the world, I'm with him. I walk with him. He is my savior. That's what you're saying as you've taken communion today. May God bless you and lift you up and empower you to go out and be changed, to be changed and to advance this thought to a lost world. Amen.